We are continuing uh, our journey through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, and uh, it's incredible uh, the times that it, Paul wrote this, and here we are in 2022, and how similar things are, and how we can apply the Bible to our personal lives. We also have the opportunity to reject it. And when you think about God's great love, he didn't wire you when he hits a button that you automatically obey him. But no, he leaves that decision up to you because that's what love's all about. So uh, our prayer is that you say yes to him because that's the, that's the difference maker. Um, Dan Sullivan is the co-founder of Strategic Coach and an expert in business world. He attributes his success to a no-quit mindset. And uh, he goes back to when he graduated from high school. He went on an outward-bound expedition in Scotland. And during the excruciating hike uh, through treacherous terrains, Sullivan took off his backpack and he sat down and he was ready to quit. He was ready to call at the end of the day. And that's when one of the outward bound guides came up to him. They, he kind of recognized that uh, Dan was struggling. And he asked him the question that would literally change Dan's life for good. Here's the question Is this where you stop? Is this where you stop? The confused Sullivan's face made the guide kind of drill down a little more. He said, everybody stops somewhere. Is this where you stop? And Sullivan, man, he was, he was exhausted. He was spent. And uh, he thought about quitting. He thought about calling at the end of the day. And I think all of us in this room, those of you watching online, we've all been there at some point in our lives, haven't we, where we kind of take the backpack off of life from our shoulders and we say, I, I, I just don't have it in me to keep going, you know? I'm, I'm shot, I'm worn out, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, and that's a choice that each of us have to make, is this where you stop? Or is this where you dig down a little deeper and you, you press on? And uh, I think all of us at some point in our lives, everything we've accomplished uh, at one point seemed impossible, right? Yeah, it did. It seemed impossible. I mean, think back when you were six months old and the, 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 the risk of learning how to walk. Wasn't it overwhelming? Huh? Do you remember that day? <laughs> oh, yeah, man, I got to walk. I like crawling, man. It's so much easier. You know, if I learn how to walk, I'm going to crash into things and I'm going to fall and hurt myself. And, you know, the, the battle of the mind. We've all been there. Well, the hill that was in front of Dan Sullivan back then looked like Mount Everest, really. It, uh, it was overwhelming. But that's when Dan made this declaration. He said, this is not where I stop. It's not. I'm going to keep going. Picked up his backpack, put it back on, put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, 
And after several days, he reached his destination. The same guide who asked him that game-changing question days earlier came up to him and he said, if you had stopped on the hill that day, your life would have been difficult. You would have been tempted to quit any time you faced a struggle in the future. So wherever Dan Sullivan, and whenever he faces you know, insurmountable challenges in life, uh, he asks that question, is this where I stop? And Dan says, I've always answered that question with the resounding no. No, I keep going. So where are you today? Are you in a position in life where you're taking the backpack off and you're debating, should I quit? Should I call it the day? Or are you going to drill down deeper and trust the Lord to give you the strength, the endurance to press on? I know for me, um, there were times when I wanted to quit. You know, I'd be lying to you if I said, no, no, I, I have. There's been times. I, I think back when we bought this building, it was a corn storage building back in 1989, and all it had in it was corn. It had a garage door behind me, and it had a garage door on the far end. That was it. And we were trying to put things together in the winter. It was a very cold winter. It was the coldest winter ever. <laughs> yeah, we always think things are the worst when we're going through it, right? No, really, this has been a cold winter too, man. I, we'll, we'll say that's, yeah. So anyway, you know, water pipes were breaking and uh, it, it just seemed like everything was, was a struggle. And I remember thinking, Lord, I wish you'd just burn that building down. You know, I'm done with it. I, you know, I want to quit. And the Lord was faithful and, uh, you know, he kept things rolling. Uh, for which we're grateful. But there's been other experiences, yeah, where you just feel like quitting. So we can identify with, with Dan Sullivan, and um, we need to ask ourselves, is this, you know, is this where you stop? And maybe today you came into this place or you're watching online and you're debating that very question, is this where I stop? Is today the day? Well, if you're still breathing, God has not given up on you. Isn't that great news? And in Psalm 56, 9, it says, This I know, God is on my side. This I know. Now, there's something to that verse, man, because, because um, you have to live through it. It's easy to read that and, and not experience it. But man, when you have a track record with the Lord and there's a history with him and you see that he has been faithful in the past, you know, when you felt like quitting and giving up, you saw his faithfulness. And notice the emphatic statement by the psalmist here, this I know. It's not this I hope or this maybe will be the case. No, he says this I know, God is on my side. He's on my side. And because he's on my side, I'm not going to quit. Right? Right. And so don't give up on God and don't give up on yourself. Galatians 6, 9, so let's not get tired of doing what's good. I want to encourage you this morning. Man, don't, 
Don't get tired of doing what's honoring to the Lord. Don't do it. Because at the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing. If, see that word if? If we don't give up. If we don't quit. If we don't stop. Right? That's right. And 1 Corinthians 15, 58 kind of echoes that. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And that word useless, fruitless, void of effect. Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So let's go to the book of Philippians and... In your notes, it says verses 13 through 16, but I was lying. Not really. Not really. I'm just going to back up to verse 10, and we'll tie it in with these other verses. You have it in your notes. It's on the screen. And Man, if you have your Bible, you can definitely open it up and check it out there. Oh, man. I want to know... Christ. We sang about that today. Is that an affirmative on your side? Hmm? Would you say yes to that today? Where, where do you land in that statement? Maybe I don't want to. I'm thinking about it. No, I'm not going to do it. No. Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You see where Paul's looking? He's looking to the future. You know? Amen. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. To reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. What's Paul saying? Let's, let's put up thumbs up here, huh? Uh huh. Those who are spiritually mature, let's put our thumbs up, man. We, we're with you, man. Right? And if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress that we have already made. It's a good word. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today, and we thank you that we get to read it, and we get to have Bibles, Lord, and we get to mark in them, and we get to allow you to speak back to us. And as Paul, Lord, many times must have thought, you know, is, is this where I quit? Like Dan Sullivan. He, he emphatically said, no way, no way. I'm, I'm going to finish this race. I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to press on no matter what. And so we thank you, Lord, for Paul's example. And we think of Jesus as well, who never gave up. He fulfilled his mission on earth so that we could spend eternity with him in heaven forever. And today, Lord, once again, we are reminded of this family of God at Life Church. We pray for Katrina and Rachel, Katie, and Grant, Rickard. 
as they grieve, Lord. And we thank you that you are the God of all comfort. And we pray, Lord God, you will continue to be faithful in their lives. And may this body continue to pray for them, Lord. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going we're gonna to do a quick, quick review here. Number one in your... Hey, so real quick, do you notice the outline's a little different today? Huh? <laughs> I know the other one, it was... Yeah, you, you probably think, this, this is always the same, you know? I don't want to go to church and have it the same. And um, so we mixed it up. Well, you know, the last Sunday of, of February, we're getting ready for a new month to kick in, and so we're going to celebrate that by revising the notes. And so, uh, aren't you happy about that? I'm happy. Um, number one, I focus on one thing. This is Paul. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. And I ask myself this question. I ask myself this question. What's the one thing Paul is focusing on? And there's a variety of things, but where he lands is, um, I believe he's focused on the finish line. Yeah? yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of what, what I think. I I think uh, uh, the finish line, keeping our eyes in front of us, and uh, at the end of the day, Lord, I know I feel like quitting, I feel like giving up, I feel like stopping, but I'm going to keep my eyes on the finish line because I want to cross that finish line one day. Yeah, man. So that's where I think. Um, and sub-point number one, forget the past, forgetting the past, uh, verse 13b. Paul is saying there's got to be this kind of special forgetfulness, the kind that doesn't look back <laughs> all the time, you know, um, and glance back and um, we kind of become complacent in our past achievements. It's so easy to do that, to pat ourselves on the back and, you know, we got all of our trophies in the case, you know, in the family room and we go by and look at them and we think, oh man, I am so cool, you know. And God is so blessed that uh, he has me on his team. And, you know, uh, I'm so spiritual. You know, and, and the simple fact is when we have that kind of mindset, it's easy to become complacent. It really is. We get so tied up in thinking how great we are, we take our eyes off of Jesus. And we begin to rust. We do. And so... We also have to understand that we don't allow our failures to make us look back. Paul recognized that he had some failures in his life, man. But before he put his faith in Christ, he really was a terrorist in the spiritual community. You know, even though he was religious, he was a terrorist to the Christian community. And he recognized that. And he saw that as a failure. But he didn't camp out there. And the question I want to submit to you, and we hit this before, are you a prisoner to your memory? You know, are you in a cell block somewhere locked into your past that's preventing you from pressing on, getting back on the track and running that race 
with your eyes on Jesus, consciously, subconsciously, so many followers of Christ become prisoners of their past. It's a sad thing, really. How the enemy can lie to you and, and, and put chains around you because of your past. Even if we confess our sin, man, there, there are unfortunately Christians that don't feel liberated. They feel condemned and they keep beating themselves up. But we have to go back even to where we started in Psalm 56, 9. This I know, God is on my side. Right? He's on my side. And Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You see, we have to settle that. We have to believe God's word is true. It's not some comic strip, you know, in the sweet by and by. No, it's true. We can base our life on it. So there is no condemnation. And when we settle that and we identify, I am a son, I am a daughter of God, and he's forgiven me and he set me free. We break out of that prison. Isn't that a great feeling? And you know my story, I was locked into a prison as a follower of Christ because I believed the lies of the enemy more than I believed the truth of God's word. And that's commonplace, unfortunately. So friends, we need to, we need to lean into the truth of God's word and say yes and confess that sin that I believe I had to do that. Lord, forgive me for believing that lie that stronghold that the enemy built in my life. And so we need to deal with that. In, um, in his autobiography, God is, God's in my corner. <laughs> Two-time heavyweight champion of the world, George Foreman, has a, um, has a chapter titled, Storms Don't Last. And he shares a story about an elderly woman that he talked to who was asked her favorite Bible verse. And she gave these words that appear 463 times in the Bible. Is 463 times a lot? <laughs> I would say so. If it's in the Bible that many times, these are the words, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. She's, she said, whenever a trial comes, it doesn't come to stay. It comes to pass. Right? Aren't you glad for that this morning? And so you might be in a time in your life, like Dan Sullivan, you know, up against it in Scotland somewhere, and you say, I quit. I'm stopping here. Don't do it. Don't do it, man. Um, it's going to come to pass, whatever you're going through. It comes to pass. So if you're in a chapter this morning titled Failure, don't forget, it will pass, right? If you're in a chapter titled Setback, you're in a setback, God's preparing you for a comeback. You're the comeback kid. Isn't there a song about that? No? Somebody should write a song about that. We go back in 1923, well, that's a little ways back, um, the competing track teams of Scotland and France were neck and neck in points, and one of the remaining events was the 440. 
And as the runners came into that first turn, they were all bunched tight shoulder to shoulder. And uh, one of them got pushed to the ground and rolled off the track. And for the second he was down, uh, he caught his breath. He got back up again, started running, even though he was 22 yards behind the front runner. He didn't give up. His knees were kicking high. His head was pushed back. And as the leaders in that race sprinted to the finish line, he ran ahead of everyone and won the race. He didn't stop. And uh, this was a famous win because um, Eric Little, a movie was made of him, Chariots of Fire, And because of that race, he became known as the Flying Scotsman, you know? Uh, Yeah, the Flying Scotsman. So because of that comeback win. So what most runners would have done, you know, if they got knocked to the ground, pushed off the track, most of them would have, you know, waved a fish. Would you like it, you? (laughs) (laughs) Then they'd dust themselves off and they'd watch from the sidelines to see the the rest of the race. But... um, you know, maybe even after the race, there'd be, you know, a little in-your-face stuff going on. Kind of what happened with the Michigan and the Badgers here recently. A little dust-up, yeah. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. Eric Little was a follower of Christ. See, you can put your name on there, but Bob Lee is a follower of Christ. But you are a follower of Christ, and because I'm a follower of Christ, I don't behave like that. I don't, I don't rule my life like that. I, I want Christ to be honored and glorified, yeah. right? So Eric Little, even though he got crushed to the ground, man, he got back on his feet for the glory of God, and he finished that race in first place. So kind of like Eric Little was reading Philippians at this time, you know? Really, he probably was. That was in his Bible reading plan the morning of the 440. Forgetting what is past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I focus all my energy on the race and sing the goal. I fly to finish. That's Eric Taco to himself. Am I going to stop? No, I'm going to finish the race, man. I'm going I'm to be in first place. So forget the past. Number two, look forward. Verse 13c, and looking forward to what lies ahead. Man, we always, we don't know what's in the future. And even with what's going on in Ukraine and Russia right now and you know, China's heating things up over Taiwan. Uh, you know, it just makes you feel a little unsettled. Like, man, what, what, where, where's this going? Where's this going to end? And so we have to um, always keep our eyes on heaven and who's there. Really. That's what we need to do. Life was never meant to be a passive coexistence with, you know, enemy forces while we wait for a heavenly home. No, we're to be making progress in our life. We are. We're to be making progress day by day. And so I don't know if you noticed the last time you got in your car, did you notice that the rear view mirror is smaller than your windshield? Anybody notice that? (laughs) Huh? How would you like to drive like that? Huh? <laughs> Hopefully not, man. Um, there's a reason why your rear view mirror is smaller, because it's everything behind you. 
And that's really a, a, a statement for how we should be living our lives. Um, where you're heading is more important than where you've been. Isn't that right? Where you're going. Where's the progress? Um, and we see that even, even in Hebrews 12 too, Jesus modeled this for us. We, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We sang about the champion here, right? But listen as the writer zooms in on Jesus. Because of the joy awaiting him, you see he's looking forward. He was looking forward. That's why he went to the cross. The joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. So Jesus did that for you and for me. He stayed on the cross. He went to the cross, becoming our substitute. C.S. Lewis put it this way, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. They were looking forward. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Mm -hmm. And so if we get stuck in our past victories, it'll hinder us from running that race effectively. And hey, the good old days, friends, can I just tell you, I mean, those aren't coming back, right? They're gone. The good old days. It's funny, every generation always thought of the good old days because every generation had conflicts of their own in a very unique way. So we always kind of go back to the good old days. Like the nation of Israel, oh, we had so much fun eating onions in Egypt. The good old days, and now we're out in the desert, and it's hot, and I'm hungry. <laughs> you know, that's, we have to be careful. Babu Churi Sherpa was universally recognized as the champion of all Himalayan climbers. He had climbed Mount Everest 10 times, including an unbelievable 17-hour sprint. Think about that, a sprint. 17 hours going up Mount Everest without bottled oxygen. Crazy, man, crazy. And he was the only person who ever slept, uh, spent the night on top of Mount Everest without bottled oxygen. You know, how could you do that? He did. But on April 29, 2001, he fell 100 feet down a crevasse to his death. It was the base camp, and he, he was out walking around taking pictures, but he became careless. See? He became careless of his environment. Stopped looking ahead. Got caught up in a camera. And he fell to his death. Friend, you and I, these are not days for us to be careless spiritually. Really. You know, we're distracted from where we're running, where the finish line is. It's easy to do that. So Paul is saying, if you want to achieve greatness in the kingdom of God, let's not look back on our successes or our failures, but keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. There's, um, uh, some markers that we can use when we're running this race on how to press on in our walk with Christ. And here's seven of them. First of all, if you want to 
if you want to press on, if you don't want to fall over in a crevasse somewhere, you keep your eyes on the Lord. First of all, Bible engagement needs to be a priority. Learning to know, love, and follow the teaching of the Bible, man. Stay in it. Two, passionate prayer, increasing our ability to speak to God, listen for God, and seek God with others. Man, talking to the Lord. Three, wholehearted worship. Wholehearted worship. Um, like even this morning, do you, do you just stand there and look at the lyrics on the screen? Is that wholehearted worship? Huh? Uh, I, I don't have a club and I'm not beating you on the head, but maybe, maybe you should say, Lord, um, put a desire in me to open my mouth. <laughs> to use my lungs and sing, Right? Sing and, and maybe even lift your hands, man. You know? Uh, Lord, I, I worship you because you are awesome and there's nobody like you. And you put breath in my lungs so I can worship you. See? Push the envelope, man. I tell you, it's, it's so much... More satisfying when you engage, you become engaged in worship than being a spectator. And so I encourage you in for humble service, extending acts of kindness in Jesus' name. Joyful generosity, another one, recognizing that everything we have is a gift from God and freely sharing what we have. Six, consistent community, loving God's people, connecting with them regularly. That's important. Right? Yeah. yeah, man. And organic outreach, sharing the good news of Jesus in the flow of normal life. Those are, those are markers for all of us to stay engaged in this race, you know? That's why uh, Philippians 1.6 in the message puts it this way, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. Bring it to a flourishing finish. Say that ten times in a hurry. But that's a cool way to look at it. I'm going to, I'm going to flourishly finish this race that God has set out before me. Number two, this is number two main point. I will finish strong... And I know in your notes in the past, that's where it ended. But, you know, I've been thinking about this. And, and I, you know, that, that may sound a little bold, maybe, maybe a little arrogant. And we have to differentiate here. We're not putting our nose up in the air and say, you know, this is what's going to happen. But I, I added this by the grace of God. I will finish strong by the grace of God. I will finish strong by the grace of God. Because we know that life has a way of beating people up. So we walk through and we run this race by the grace of God. Hudson Taylor was a famous missionary and he struggled with the same feelings you and I wrestle with today. He, um, 
He was a missionary in China, and he dealt with anger, frustration, discouragement. You ever deal with those? I was thinking about that. Uh, Debbie and I were coming back from Madison mm, 10 days ago, two weeks ago. And, and I passed this lady, and she wasn't happy. She wasn't doing the speed limit. And so all I did was pass her. But she was angry because she gave me a high five minus four. <laughs> you know? And so when I'm, when I'm next to her, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, I, I wish I would have responded better, like wave at her, smile, and give her a thumbs up, you know? Like, good to see you or something like that. But, but you know, initially my... Ooh, you know, it's like, I can't believe she's doing that to me. <laughs> you know, you've been there, right? So, so Hudson Taylor was dealing with that, you know, anger, frustration, discouragement. He wondered how he could possibly be a leader of others when he himself, he didn't see himself as a victorious follower of Christ. And so one day, a good friend of his wrote him a letter and... Um, Really, God's Spirit kind of put a light on it for Hudson, opened up his heart and mind to understand what it really meant to remain in Christ. Uh, he suddenly realized that it wasn't his job to struggle and strive in order to be a good Christian, but rather simply remain in the vine. And the life-giving power from the vine would produce the fruit in his life. See? Instead of getting all worked up, trying harder, 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 I got to do this more, better. He just needed to learn to remain on the vine. As John 15, 5, it says, Yes, I, Jesus, am the vine. You're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. If from a part of me, you can't do nothing. That was liberating for Hudson Taylor. See? That he could finish this race simply remaining on the vine. That was, that was the secret. Not trying harder. You know, not staying up late. You know, manipulating things in his life. No, it was simply remaining in the vine. And it's this life-giving power from God's grace, which he was able to access, is what Paul wrote about in Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Isn't that great? We have peace with God. God loves me. He's adopted me. He's made me a co-heir. Oh, God, you are so good. You know, that's the kind of, because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Becoming our substitute on the cross. And because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Man, I will finish strong. Hudson Taylor realized he will finish strong, not by trying to work harder, but simply remain on the vine by God's grace. That word, uh, press on, I press on for all the guys in here. I, I'm sure the ladies too, that's a hunting term for all the hunters <laughs> at Life Church. Uh, it means to chase or hunt down or exert. And the Greeks um, used it to describe a hunter pursuing their prey. Uh, let's take a look at like that. Full steam ahead. Wah! You know, the hunter pursuing their prey. 
And I know you're thinking, that poor rabbit. That poor rabbit! (laughs) Well, I press on. Do you realize that's the same word Paul used in Philippians 3.6 where he says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. That word persecuted is the same word as press on. It's the same word. Paul is saying, man, I persecuted the church. Man, I was, I was like a hunter going after the hunted. But now I'm using that same tenacity, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. You see that difference? Uh, Paul is saying, I press on and I'm going to finish this race. By the grace of God. Ecclesiastes 7.8, here's a good one. Finishing is better than starting. Finishing is better than starting. Finishing is better than starting. It's a good one to put on your refrigerator, you know. It's easy to start. It's challenging to run. But finishing is better than starting. Don't stop. Don't stop. Kenny Luck, who is a men's mentor, leader, put it this way, out of gratitude for what God has done in our lives, we endure. Out of devotion to him, to our fellow believers, we persist. Out of obedience, we hold on. Out of faith, we persevere. Out of faith, we persevere. So there's no passive approach to Spiritual growth, have you noticed? I mean, do you sit in your recliner and think, if Christ wants me to grow, he'll make it happen? You ever think like that? Huh? If Christ wants me to grow, he'll make it happen, you know? Uh, Listen, it's not going to happen like that. He wants you to grow. He's given you every tool to have you grow but you have to become engaged in that process, friends. And um, we need that spiritual intensity to press on with Christ. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Paul writes, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win! I was thinking about that um, with the Badgers and Rutgers yesterday in basketball. You know, the Badgers go out to Rutgers and they think, ah, we don't want to win this game, guys. Nah. nah. We like losing. You know, it's so much fun to lose. Is that how, was their attitude? No, no. Both teams go into that game wanting to win. There is a passion to win, just like Paul writes here. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training, so do it. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but... We do it for an eternal price. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not shadow boxing. Paul is saying, I am running to win, and I'm making every step count. That's what he's saying. And so, so, verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Am I devoting myself to knowing Christ like an athlete 
invest time in becoming faster? It takes time. It takes an investment on our part. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You know, it's like some people may think, well, me sitting in a, you know, a Sunday morning gathering at live church, I'll become more spiritual. Uh, no. Your heart has to be opened. You know, you being becoming engaged, allowing God's spirit to speak and, and challenge and encourage along the way. That's, that's the deal. So, as with any race, that prize is given when? Do they have a little break time, you know, a quarter way in, halfway in? And we're going to give you your prize ahead of time. No, they don't do that. They wait till the end of the race, right? When the race is over, that's when you get your prize. When you cross that finish line, Paul recognized that, and that's why he's looking forward to it. I receive that heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And so even Paul, later on, when he's about to be terminated by Nero, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, listen to these three statements that he makes. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. He's looking death in the face, and he's got no regrets. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Paul, like you and me, was sprinting full speed to the finish line. That's where we need to be today. Until then, we should want to become more like Christ in this whole process. So, yeah. Pastor Amur Bazamju said, I was really thirsty for God, hungry for God, to find who he is. And that's why I became a very fanatical Muslim. He was born in a Shia family, Shia family in Iran. Amur became a devout Muslim, striving to earn Allah's favor. When Shia Islam failed to provide that close relationship that he desired with Allah, he turned to Sufism, a form of Islamic mysticism. And then, and then, somebody gave Amur a Bible. Despite a lifetime of conditioning to reject the Bible, Amr began to read it. And when he asked Jesus if he was real to change his heart, his prayer was answered. His prayer was answered. Because God is faithful. And you might be here this morning searching for truth, searching, is Jesus real? You can, you can begin to read the Bible and say, God, show yourself in your word. And Lord, if you're real, will you begin to change my heart? And watch God answer that prayer. Watch him. I encourage you. And Father, this morning we thank you that we can trust you with our lives, Lord.
And we recognize, Lord, we live in a we live in a real world that's broken and bad things happen to good people and It's important, Lord, to keep our eyes on you through it all. This morning, Lord, I pray for those watching online and those in this room that maybe kind of hit the pause button spiritually, thinking, thinking that maybe, uh, maybe I'm going to stop this thing. Maybe I'm going to take a break right now. God doesn't seem fair. Life isn't fair. But I pray, Lord, that your spirit would encourage each one of us not to stop, but to press on, Lord, to press on, to keep our eyes on you. And we think about Amur in Iran, Lord, that Man, you're even in Iran doing great stuff. All around the world, Lord, you're working in people's lives. And I pray, even right here, right now, Jesus, will you, will you work in each one of our lives? You know the needs, Lord, represented. You know the backpacks that we're carrying of life, the weight You know it all. And so we come to you, Lord, with humility, recognizing that we need your help. And we pray that you will do a good work, a faithful work, Lord, in each one of us as we commit our cares, our concerns, our worries, our fears to you. And if someone is here this morning and never put their faith in you, we pray, Lord, today, today, right now, they would simply say, Jesus, like a myrrh, um, I believe you went to the cross and you became my substitute. You took my place. I should be eternally separated from a holy God. But because you went to the cross and you stayed on the cross and you went into the grave and you rose on that third day, Jesus, you will give me forgiveness of all my sins. I don't have to carry condemnation. I don't have to carry guilt any longer because you forgive and replace it with your righteousness. I believe that, Lord. And so today, right here, right now, Lord, I'm calling on your name. Jesus, come, take over my life. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.